0: Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Kay Wu, and today I'm here with my friend, Mandy.
1: Hi, I'm Mandy Moore, and today we have a special guest. Her name is Annette Davis. She spends her day-to-day working as a software developer and leader. She has specifically been focused on Android applications for the past several years, She's also an Android Google developer expert. This means that she spends a lot of time developing videos, blog posts, and conference talks for the developer community. It's something that she's very proud and passionate about. She is also currently the software group lead at a social impact startup called Zola Electric. They provide clean, transformative energy to households that suffer from expensive, unreliable grids or have no grid access at all. She gets to help impact the lives of people across Africa by developing a high-quality Android application that's used by their entire Salesforce. She currently lives in Amsterdam, which is in the Netherlands, but she travels around the world speaking at conferences. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to have you. So I'm really curious. Uh, our friend Allison, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, told us that you used to live in the United States and moved to Amsterdam. Do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about that background?
2: Sure. So originally, I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. I uh, grew up there, went to school there, my first job there. So just everything there, there. And uh, maybe about Four or five years ago, I started traveling more around the world, speaking at conferences. And it just made me think, you know, I could do this. I could actually live in Europe. I don't always have to just kind of stay in one area for my whole life. And this was especially the case when I went to Sweden for the first time. I just really fell in love with Europe from that point. And um, I guess like fast forward two years from then... My company, which used to be headquartered in Tanzania, changed headquarters to Amsterdam. So there was an opportunity for me to move to Europe, um, but to do it on the company's dime, (laughs) which sounded really really nice.
1: That's (laughs) Um, nice. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's something that I kept thinking about, but financially it can be quite expensive to just move your whole family to another country. So that opportunity was available. I raised my hand and said yes. You know, send me. Discussed it with my husband, talked to the kids, and there we were. Next thing you know, um, we were in Amsterdam.
1: That's cool. So how old are your children? I have two daughters, and one is ten, and one is six. And when you discussed this with them, what was their initial reaction?
2: Initially, I think they were more concerned about their grandparents. They were going to miss them. And then what the food was like. I mean, they're little girls, right? (laughs) Their world is pretty simple. (laughs) What is the food like in Amsterdam? And when are we going to see granny and pop Pop? was kind of uh, the main questions. So, yeah, we just told them, look, we'll come back to America at least once or twice a year. Maybe they can come
1: visit us and the food will be just fine. So it it was pretty easy convincing them. Did they have any concerns around their schooling or their friendships at home? Not as much because they were homeschooled. So I think, you know, that kind of puts them in
2: a slightly different uh, situation. They were more so curious about school itself. Like, what is school like? Will I have to do this? Will I have to do that in school? It was more this curiosity around now you have to go to school
1: and what is that really like? Yeah. Is there a language barrier? Do they they speak Dutch in the Netherlands, right? They do speak Dutch. But for our
2: girls, we put them into an international school so that they can learn in English. Um, But they have Dutch lessons twice a week, so they're learning to speak Dutch. And that was a huge decision as well, just making sure that they would feel comfortable going to school. It was already enough that they would have to go to school, um, but then to try to put them in a situation where they had to learn in Dutch didn't seem fair. (laughs) So we were fortunate enough to get them into an international school uh, where they can learn in English.
0: This reminds me, well, actually, I didn't mention earlier, but from when I was eight to when I was 12, my mom's job transferred her to Bangkok, Thailand, and we'd been living in New York, just like in the suburb type areas before then. So I was old enough to remember most of those years then. And uh, it was actually pretty similar where her company paid for us all to go out there. My dad was able to find... I actually can't remember now if it's a it was a job or a freelance. I mean, I was eight; I wasn't really paying attention to this <laughs> employment details, right? We went to an international school as well, and it was really cool because like there was such a greater diversity of kids that I oh, yes. met at that school compared to in the suburbs of New York where we where we had been before then. And so now and, now, and for what it's worth, I don't remember my parents okay. asking us how we <laughs> felt about the whole thing at all. <laughs> she was we just like. I I don't, and I feel like in general as a kid, I was, I don't know, I just like went along with what they said. Like it didn't occur to us to question them necessarily. (laughs) We're going. uh, We just like got put on a plane and then I like had horrible jet lag. Like we went for a visit out there first and I remember like the heat hitting and then had horrible jet lag for a week, but they, they like took us around to, I guess there was like an interview or admissions process for the international school at the time. I don't know if you had to handle, deal with anything like that. But there was like a lot of company support for setting up the move, especially with a family at the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the best part is having the company support and just talking to a lot of other expats to try to get the scoop on things. Like, where can I find a dentist um, that has technicians who speak mm-hmm. English very well? And where can I do this and where can I do that? We only came for one visit with the kids before we decided to make the move. And that was just, like, a test visit. I think we stayed two or three weeks uh, to see, like, okay, can we make it? We were in an Airbnb. Like, can we go to the grocery store? Can we do <laughs> mm-hmm. some, you know, basic things? And would it be okay with just us and the kids? And it was perfectly fine. So that's that the deal. We came. And I think, like, once we got here, it's when it really hit hit us <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. we're here. And as much as so many things are the same, lots of things are just fundamentally different in how people think and how they act and respond. So you have to, like, learn to adjust and accept the differences. But initially, the kids were fine. Me and my husband were just like, oh, (laughs) what did we
1: do? (laughs) So so you're saying it was harder on you than the kids.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the kids were fine. The first day of school, we were so nervous. They came home and the oldest is like, hi, I made five friends today. We're like, oh, that's awesome. And then the little one goes, I made nine friends. <laughs> <laughs> so they were fine. It was us. It was us who had to adjust. Um, the most, I mean, you spend most of your life in one place. You're so used to just things being a certain way and it's, it's not the case. Yeah, Yeah. totally.
0: And you you just like have no idea until you're outside of that familiar environment, which things you had taken for granted that are like not necessarily actually standard. It's just like what you're used to.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's what scares the hell out of me when I think about it, because I live in Pennsylvania, and it's a very small rural area where there's not a lot of people A, like me, personality wise. And it's also there's like very limited tech scene. So when I travel for conferences and to places like San Francisco or Austin, or even the DC area, I'm like, wow, it's a really big, cool world out there. Like, should I move around? Should I? But my daughter's in public school and she's really comfortable there. She's with her friends. And I'm just like, well, she's 10. So like, I'm kind of over halfway through my quote unquote, prison sentence of, <laughs> of, <been> these days. <laughs> of, of, of raising her. So it's like, do I stick it out here for, you know, eight, nine more years until she graduates high school and figures out what she wants to do with her life in terms of, you know, if she wants to go to college or, or whatever. I mean, I'm not just going to like give her an eviction notice on her 18th birthday, <laughs> but, but I'm getting impatient because there's just so much out there and I don't want to miss it all but yeah being comfortable here it's scary to think about packing up and especially doing it alone cuz I don't have a partner to help me like I'm curious about like some of the logistics like involved in yeah. just like packing up your entire house because I don't know about you but I have a lot of shit <laughs> and like <laughs> like furniture and Like, how did you do that? How did you just pack up your whole entire household and move it like to a different country? Because obviously you didn't get a moving van.
2: (laughs) No, I think I looked at it as a cleaning process for my life, not just like, okay, we're moving to Amsterdam. What will it take? More like, what things can I just let go? And also, how can I teach myself to better let things go and move on? So what we did, honestly, is (laughs) if it wasn't extremely sentimental, I just gave it to people. I would say like, hey, I'm getting rid of my dining room set. Whoever comes here first and picks everything up, you can have it. Or they gave my couches to my sister. Like I was just clearing things out to the bare minimal. And I don't know, it started to feel really great. Like By the time I started getting rid of the first few things, I was like, oh, who needs cups? (laughs) <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this? so that i don't even have to feel tied to amsterdam like maybe three or four years from now we might say like let's go to spain and i don't want it to be a big thing where it's like oh no we can never leave amsterdam again you know so that's sort of the approach i use and i knew like okay when, I, when we get to amsterdam we'll have to get a furnished place because we're not going to buy a whole bunch of furniture especially if we don't know how long we'll be here so that's well, we did. We like packed up the bare minimal things, and then started looking for a furnished place. Which they have a ton of here in Amsterdam, and most major cities have tons of places that you can rent that are furnished.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I found when we 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 did a big cross country move last year from Portland, Oregon to New Jersey. It was like a very clarifying process to do a, a larger move like that, and almost be like forced into a choice of do I really want to keep this thing so much that I'm now going to pay extra money in order to hold on to it? Yeah. You know? hmm Versus, like, there are stores in the location <laughs> that we are in. <laughs> moving to as well <laughs> and it, it, it was a nice chance to clear out a, a bunch of things that we felt lackluster about or well one of my secrets as well is that my husband has a really hard time letting go of things that were gifted to us even if it doesn't necessarily like fit in our lifestyle currently so I was kind of like well it's kind of a built-in like oh like that thing like got lost or <laughs> broken the move <laughs> but not not that like no one, like, ever actually asks about us no. like that, but, like, it made him feel better, so he, like, and then he got into the groove with, like, getting rid of stuff, and that was really, really nice, too.
1: Yeah, I don't know, like, I'm, like, looking around my living room, and I'm, like, I don't know if I can get rid of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've worked so hard for it, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm in the place where 10 years ago, when my daughter was born, I was on welfare, like, I didn't have a pot to piss in, barely. (laughs) So it was, and now that, you know, I've got a stable career in a business, like, I have some nice things, like, my gym equipment and stuff like that. Like, I would want to bring all that with me. So I guess I'd have to, like, get, like, a shipping container and put it on a boat.
2: You can. You can. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, so just to actual talk real numbers, like, for our family of four, we didn't ship a lot of furniture, just a few things that were sentimental, all of our clothes and dishes and spices and all these kind of things. It was like 3,500 euros to ship everything.
1: What's that translate so, to about in America?
2: Oh, uh, what is it? What is it? Let's say like maybe thirty six.
1: Thousand okay. or maybe 37,000. Google says 3,900 right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah, 36,000 okay, yeah. dollars? No, 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 hundred, hundred. Okay, sorry. okay. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. shit! <laughs> No, 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 sorry, 100, 100.
2: Yeah, but that's, I mean, okay, so that's a family of four. That's I mean, that's all of our books. I mean, you know, there's like a lot of sentimental things that we did bring, all of our clothes for the most part. So if you kind of put it in those numbers, now granted, it can take forever to get your stuff. So that's another thing. When you pack it up, you also say to yourself, okay, am I going to need this within the first three or three and a half months? Because that can be how long it takes if you're moving overseas to get your things.
1: Really? So that's another,
2: yeah. So that's another concern. So I would say like, oh, I really like this, but if I can go three and a half months without it, then I really don't need it, and then I wouldn't bring it. So it's another thing we kind of kept in mind when we were packing up. That's really interesting. Oh, that's
0: interesting too on the numbers because like for what it's worth as comparison, it cost us about five thousand dollars to do our move from Oregon to New Jersey across country. But you know, it, it was more like a week and a half of waiting versus yeah three and a half months. So there's that too.
1: So it's cheaper to move across the ocean
2: than (laughs) across
1: the land.
2: (laughs) And just wait forever to get your stuff. Okay. (laughs) Okay. When it finally came, it was like, Oh my shoes. Christmas. (laughs) It was nice.
0: I'm curious. Did you travel much with your children internationally or otherwise
2: before moving internationally? Not a lot. I think maybe we went to like the Caribbean once or twice with them. Mm-hmm. But that's it. So they never like only the one time that we went to Amsterdam before we moved. That's that's all.
0: That's cool. I feel like that's very encouraging that it's not necessarily that you had this whole family jet setting lifestyle and then you just, tacked oh, on no. move. you know, like, it's actually <laughs> like, quite a big change that you made work.
2: OK, so also it wasn't just for me. I wanted them to have the chance to say, like, let's say we only stay here three or four years when they're like 18 somewhere in America. They'll say, oh, I remember when we were, you know, 12, when we were in Amsterdam and blah, blah, blah. They've lived a little already at an early age, and the school it's so it's just so incredibly diverse to see kids just from all over the world together and getting along and having a great time, and they're learning about all these different cultures. I think it's just a great experience for them.
0: I remember from the international school that we had gone to at the time that it was a lot of kids of diplomats or ambassadors from around, or like folks whose parents were international business folks of some kind that led to them being sent to an English speaking school or or they were like, especially wealthy locals, I think was the mix that we had. So economically, maybe there wasn't like a ton of diversity, but definitely geographically and culturally, it drew from a pretty wide spread of folks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in Amsterdam, how I guess like since it's a socialist country, it's kind of hard to know who's who's rich and who isn't. Like almost everyone it's the same. Like everyone's riding their bike, whether they're rich or poor or not as well. It's just not as much huge financial gaps the way you see in more capitalist places, I guess. So it's just a very nice city. It's a nice place and it's a good mix of people. I'm pretty sure some people are, like, extremely wealthy, but we're not. (laughs) And we're there, and and no one treats us differently, so it's really nice.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's one of the benefits of kind of, like, being in such a different culture in some ways, is that there are benefits to not being able to read the more subtle cues of markers of difference and whatnot, I think. Like it just in any area as, as you get to know it over time, like if it's a thing in the local culture where there's a status or prestige differences or whatever, you know, you can kind of pick those things up over time. But if you have more of a blank slate in this particular context, like you're freed from
2: <laughs> that a little bit. No, it's totally true. Like even the fact that I don't speak Dutch, it's great. It's like I'm just enjoying my life. I don't know yeah. what you're saying. I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> <I don't> care- <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't affect me at all. You could be talking about me right now. I don't know. So, this is great. I'm like, um, just like blissfully ignorant and happy. I mean, if, maybe if I stay a long time, okay, probably I should learn Dutch. But right now, I don't have to. And I'm like living my life and perfectly happy, not knowing it. So, yeah, I do. Like, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, hmm, if I knew what they were saying, would
1: I be, <laughs> would I be a <laughs> The only way I can feel like that where I live is when I go to the nail salon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know. Maybe they say like my feet are terrible. Yeah. But... My, I know my, my fingers look <laughs> really nice now that you've done, done your thing, but I have no idea if you're laughing about me while you're doing it.
2: Yes. That's kind of like my everyday life. So <laughs> I just feel like, okay. I mean, but Dutch people speak English very well. Like they're, yeah. they're fluent in English. They learn English at a very early age. So pretty much everyone speaks English, which makes it better. They prefer, like in general conversation, they prefer to speak Dutch. But if you say like, oh, I don't speak Dutch, they just speak to you in English
0: It's smart.
1: That's nice. Yeah, that, I think you
0: mentioned that your kids had a pretty close relationship with some grandparents, it sounded
1: like. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm kind of curious about, because I'm, I'm assuming you don't have family or close friends in, in Amsterdam now. And has that been a change for you in terms of, you will not be able to rely on
2: the that
0: kind of network of support?
2: Yeah, that's definitely been a big difference for us. And I don't know, we're still trying to figure it out and think through what we could do. We're pretty overprotective. I don't know, like, at least by Dutch standards, we're very <laughs> so protective. So we don't want to just, like, leave our kids with anyone. <laughs> and like, oh, let's go away for the weekend and just leave the kids. So if we do something, we bring the kids with us. And yeah, I realized, like, okay, that's not super sustainable forever. Like, it's been about a year and a half now. And before, we could say, like, oh, let's go away for the weekend. And we could leave them with the in-laws. And it was great. Um, my dad came to visit us for a week. Uh, which was really nice. And I think we maybe went away, like we went out one night (laughs) or something while he was here. We haven't had that opportunity like we used to. So plan is to try to go back to America at least once a year. They can be with their grandparents and we can go do something.
1: Yeah, I would definitely need to find some form of support because, you know, as a single parent already, it's like, yeah, I need to go away. So like when I do go away now... I leave her with my neighbor because her daughter is best friends with my daughter. So like we have that really worked out and she supports me and whatever. But yeah, finding some kind of childcare would definitely be a priority for me.
2: I mean, it's just something that's very important. It should be on the list of whatever, you know, if you consider to make a move like this, because initially it's just you. (laughs) I mean, it's just, us trying to figure it out, like in the beginning of last year, there was some sort of Siberian winter, something going through Amsterdam, like the coldest it's ever been for 100 years or something. And that happened to be when we moved. So we were so cold and all of us kept getting sick just like in a rotation, basically, just sick, sick, sick. Someone was always sick. And it was so hard to be positive and try to embrace the experience when, you know, 25% of our family was sick at any given point. And we didn't really know what to do. Like at the stores, the stores are not the same. You can go to Walmart, you can just get everything or you can go to Target and you can get everything. But it's like, there's a store for food, there's a store for some sort of pharmacy items. There's another store that's you know for pharmacy items with a prescription and then really yeah so now you're like where do i go to get what i mean <laughs> can you <laughs> there's, amazon there's some things you can get yeah. but then but
1: not prescriptions use, like, and stuff yeah
2: yeah or like amazon germany is pretty close so like you can mostly get some things from amazon germany delivered here but then if you try to get it from like Amazon in the States, the export fees and the shipping fees, it's almost not worth it. Like I don't want to pay $30 for a box of TheraFlu, right? So <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like email, you know, tell my sister like, please send me a bunch of TheraFlu in an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like buying TheraFlu and shipping it to me. Wow. Because they didn't, ha- they don't have it here. And you're just like, well, what am I supposed to take? I take TheraFlu for like a week, boom, I'm back to work, I keep going. Whereas they're like, oh, if you get the flu, just take two or three weeks off and recover, let your body heal naturally, and then come back to work. And it's like, oh, I'm really not used to that strategy. (laughs) I'm (laughs) more so.
1: Yeah, I I prime everything as is, so that would be a problem too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When I come back to America now, I'm hitting up CVS. That's like the first thing I do on every trip. And yes. I'm just like, okay, therapy, sequel, halls, so just like all this stuff, and I and I bring it back. Oh, wow, what else do yeah, you there have there? A friend of
0: mine who uh, who lived, she, she was doing a Fulbright in Istanbul, and we went to go visit her one summer. Yeah, she similarly like sent us a shopping list for <laughs> what to smuggle over to her, and like top things were just basically like American junk food. Like I I brought her like several bags of Munchie Mix and Cheetos and. Dishes. like I, I like the skinny kind not the puffy kind <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's just so different You have mm. to adjust There is like a store here Called the British American store And it just has a bunch of Processed foods that you can get <laughs> In the UK and America So if you really want like some Apple Jacks or a box Of Aunt Jemima pancake mix Or whatever mm-hmm. you can go there and pay The exorbitant markup <laughs> But sometimes you're just like, I really just want Antibama pancakes. That's what I want. So you can go there.
0: For me I think it's a it's actually a, a surprising thing I enjoy about international travel. It is in some ways like the way it reminds me of the ways in which I am very American. I and I don't always feel that necessarily when I'm living in America. <laughs> but like there's something about going abroad and then like things are really different and being out of my element and then I actually always really enjoy the moment of like the first American airport that I land at and then like walking through the customs line. And then, you know, when the sign says like for us citizens and I'm like, ah, okay. I had to like go somewhere where I really didn't belong. Now I come back to the place where I do belong. And like, kind of, that usually feels pretty good. There was one (laughs) time when like someone at the airport, uh, I hadn't been talking yet, and she just looked at me and was like, uh, this is the us citizens line. Like, and I was like, yeah, like that's the line I <laughs> in. So, so that was like a little bit awkward, but you know, whatever.
2: Uh, <laughs> you. Mind your business.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I actually have never traveled internationally yet, <laughs> even though, well, I mean, I have plans too So, I think next year, maybe early next year, or in the spring, I'm thinking about going to Australia. So what kind of tips do you have for somebody who's never traveled internationally?
2: Okay, that is a great question. Bring some snacks that you like. That's the first thing. Now when I travel, I have maybe like one or two boxes of protein bars that I really like. Sometimes I even pack a couple noodle soups. Because it's like, okay, wherever I am, I can probably get some really hot water <laughs> and just eat my cup of this soup and feel safe and be fine. Pack some things that make you feel comfortable. I pack maybe like comfy socks or comfy pajamas. I always take a laundry soap. So if for some weird reason I need to wash my clothes or I'm like somewhere in, in a hotel somewhere and I need to like wash some clothes, I have a laundry bar of soap. Wear compression socks on the plane because Australia is super far. So I always wear um compression socks if I'm gonna fly for more than three or four hours. Um, and then get up and walk around on the plane probably at least you know three or four times, just to make sure you don't get any blood clots in your legs and you can keep your circulation going. And then figure out your money in advance. What kind of money do they have? How can you get your money into their money? Uh, just being safe things like that is I guess is the top of mind for me. Sometimes I go to Africa and then I'm like even more cautious. I have a whole like checklist of things to make sure that I have in place to feel safe and confident. Yeah, like which of your bank accounts uh has the
0: lowest or even possible minimal fees for withdrawing in any ATM outside of your home country and you may also have credit cards that charge less or no fees for transactions in a foreign currency so you don't necessarily have to go through the whole like traveler checks things that they would do back in the day but it is nice to know like basically having a plan in place for once you get off the plane like how am i going to have cash and how much cash do i usually need in this particular area like whether they're very cash-based or not
1: yeah
2: and then i don't know australia is pretty far so i wonder if didn't you say you speak at conferences?
1: I don't speak. I attend and I do a lot of podcast recordings and stuff like that. So that might be one way also is to try to apply to speak at
2: an international conference and see if there's a way you can like somewhere closer, like maybe you could try Canada or somewhere and just to like get the experience of traveling internationally. That's not as long
1: of a like first trip away. Yeah, I did Canada. Last year to see Niagara Falls, and that was relatively painless. I mean, I drove, and I was able to use my credit card and cell phone and stuff like that. But to be clear, like when I'm going to Australia, like I'm not going just like by myself. Go, like I'm going to see someone. So who lives there? So so they'll be so so. So I think they'll be able to guide me a little bit. But yeah, the compression socks thing was like really useful. I wouldn't have thought of that.
2: Yeah, just making sure you feel comfortable on the flight and that you can get up and move around. Yeah, I mean, since you have someone who's a local, that makes all the difference. Like, it's so much harder when you go to a new country just by yourself. And you're kind of like, no, what do I do? Like, how do I get from the airport? How do I, you know, there's all these extra questions. How do I get around? Where, Where can I eat? But if you have a local who's already there, then it should just be a great experience. I say just like. Bring a backup phone charger and
1: take tons of pictures, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that brave to just throw myself into Australia. <laughs> no, I'm not that brave. I
0: like all your tips for like basically com- ways to combat potential homesickness, like while while you're someplace thats really far away, like sort like having a backup for your stomach and the smell one like for laundry i had never thought of that and like that makes total sense because scent is such a like such an evocative sense i guess or whatnot for me i actually also sometimes if i have the room for it in my luggage i will bring my own pillow from home because like i have an especially supportive one even it is a bit heavy but that really helps contribute to sleeping well in a different environment and uh like if you're well-rested your stomach is happy. You know things aren't too too different. Then I feel like then it gives you a lot more room to enjoy the things that really are different.
2: Yes, yeah, I just like totally agree. And it's from like not doing it that I that I mm. learned to do it. When I went to Nigeria, I got food poisoning,
1: <gasps>
2: and it was so terrible. I was only there for one week, and I spent three whole days just oh. in my room, like. Oh. It was the worst experience ever. And I'm like, okay. So I did bring some bars. I was able to survive uh, with the bars. But I didn't bring the cup of noodle soups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, from now on, <laughs> I will always mm-hmm. bring cup of noodle soups. Because the most bizarre things happen sometimes. <laughs> like, the plane is delayed. And so now I'm like stuck somewhere and I don't get to my hotel till 11 o'clock at night. Everything's closed. There's nothing to eat. I'm like, okay, well, I've been traveling for hours. I need to eat some food. I'll eat my cup of noodle soup. Or I mean, there's just all these weird situations that happen in the airports and on the plane. And it's totally
1: out of your control. So try to be prepared. So while we're on the topic like of traveling, so I think you said you travel a fair amount without your kids like when you're traveling how do you maintain a relationship with your oh, yeah. how do my kids still love me yeah that's <laughs> a great question how do you make sure they remember who you are when you arrive home <laughs> so <laughs> i'll say there's two
2: answers i have to that so the first answer which is like more pragmatic is while I'm away, I make sure everyone knows my schedule and what I'm going to be up to. So I let my husband know, like, this is where I'm going to be. This is when my schedule. This is when I try to call you all. And then I call my family on FaceTime or through WhatsApp. And I talk to them pretty much every day if I can. And just like, okay, how was school? What would you do? And I talk to each one separately uh, to see what was going on. And then um, get the real scoop from my husband about, like, the day and whatever issues, etc. So I try to do that, and then I bring them home something also. So it doesn't have to be anything major, but like if I'm in Santa Barbara, like hey, I bought you a Santa Barbara t shirt or something like that. So that's the pragmatic answer. The other answer relates to a tweet that I sent out the other day (laughs) when I woke up in the morning, and I just thought about like my career and how people are always asking me like how'd you do it, how'd you make it, like what's your career advice to me. The tweet was in the form of a cheer. And so the cheer goes like this. Self-deprecate, self-deprecate. Just smile and congratulate. Work twice as hard for half the pay. Play with your kids every other day. Go career.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I love that so much. (laughs) I think I'm going to like write that down. Honestly, that is so great.
2: It's so hard. Being a parent and Pursuing your career in tech to the limits, more or less. It's really hard. And all the time I'm asking myself, will my kids, when they're like 16, 17, 18, are they going to look back and see me and think, mom was there for my dance recital or mom was there when they did some random thing because kids are always doing some random thing.
1: <laughs> or are
2: they going to go, mom was always working,
1: you know? I worry about that all the time. Preach! Oh my god, especially because like, a lot of people, again, single mom, they're like, "Don't you care about your kid while you travel?" And I'm like, "Of course I care about my kid while I travel." But it's like, does my kid like having a roof over her head? <laughs> does my kid, does my kid benefit from me being able to pay a hundred and fifty dollars for her basketball summer camp? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel guilty when I do it, especially because when I do travel, I make it a point. I'm not gonna lie. When I go to a conference, I'll stay a couple days either before or after the conference just to have some me time to A, check out the place that I'm visiting and not be like missing out on the conference experience and just to have, you know, my time. So yeah, I feel bad about it, but it benefits her in the long run, you know? Absolutely. And it's just like really tricky to try to balance
2: it. And I'll say maybe when I first started speaking at conferences, it was just like a runaway train. It just kind of like, oh, and there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to get caught up in it because once your name is all on a list, <laughs> yes. The list, <laughs> they just keep asking, like they, they just keep asking and and you feel bad saying no, because like, no, I want to represent women in tech. No, I want to mm-hmm. represent moms in tech and I want to represent blacks in tech and I want to represent black women moms in tech. <laughs> yes. you're, trying to, you're trying to help with representation. It's important and it matters. But then it's like, OK, I also happen to have a family <laughs> that I care about that needs me and They need time. Even if it seems somewhat pointless, that time matters. Just sitting there listening to rambling stories, that matters and it means something. Mm -hmm. So the only thing I can try to do in which I think I'm doing better since I've been here is to put limits on myself. So I promise my family I will not speak at more than four conferences a year, period. So a conference comes in. I'm checking the schedule, and what I'm trying to do now is to compare the schedule with the school schedule. So I was like, oh, there's opportunity in Portugal. Okay. Can the kids come? So is there a possibility for my family to join me based on the the school schedule? Or is there some important thing happening in their life at that point? Is this the end of dance camp, so I have to go watch a dance show? I'm sorry, like, I can't come. (laughs) So. I do feel like it's helping me because they're super, super close to my husband and I just don't want to completely miss out on it. But that's that's what I've been doing now. It's just putting limits on myself. So like if I'm going to work on a course, that I'm not going to do more than one course a year. Or if I'm going to do any kind of side hustle stuff, I'm just like really super clamping down on it, promise to have dinner as a family, like all these things just to kind of force myself even though I want to do it but just like putting some real numbers behind it because of course we're in tech and we like numbers and data so
1: I do the same thing so (laughs) when I'm home I don't go out like I'm home with my daughter like I don't date in my hometown like I don't meet anybody up for drinks if anything my best friend comes over here on a Friday Saturday night and we all hang out I also make it a point to cook dinner every night and we sit down, even though sometimes she's like, can't we just eat on the couch? No, sit down at this table (laughs) and we're going to spend time together and we're going to (laughs) talk. But then you you run into that, okay, well, now here I'm giving you like a half hour, 45 minutes. Tell me about your day. You've got nothing to say. But let me get on a call at eight o'clock and all of a sudden (laughs) she wants to tell me everything. (laughs) So yeah, we, we run into that issue. But yeah, when when I'm home, I make it a point to be a mom. I won't lie, I went to Texas about two weeks ago now. And when I came home, I had a really hard time readjusting to being a mom again. Like I had a whole week where I could go out. I was on 6th Street where they have the big Austin music scene at the bars and stuff. And you know i was able to go a little crazy and and have fun and live my life and then i came home and i i got kind of depressed for a few days because i was just like i you mean i can't just order this food i have to make dinner again and now now i have to resume packing lunches and now i have to do laundry and this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i did i got i got a little sad with that readjustment but you know, two weeks later, I'm okay again. But yeah, so if anybody out there listening, like in the same kind of situation that I'm in, like, it's completely normal just to have those feelings. Because I, I call, I talked to my grandmother, I'm like, am I a horrible person? Because like, I look around right now, like a day after I get home, and I'm like, I don't want to be here no you're not <laughs> there's even no every, room service it's,
2: it's like even sometimes we look at each other like so we have kids huh yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> have kids yeah two two of them yes yeah, <laughs> i feel like this is a it's just
0: like a such a funny thing that i was a bit surprised by after becoming a parent is that I feel like I'm constantly in a state of, I really, really want to be around my son. And then at the very same time, I also really, really need to be by myself. And like, those are obviously incompatible
1: things. I know. And you feel, at least for me, I feel so guilty sometimes having those feelings, which makes me feel even worse. And then it just kind of like spirals down. I'm like,
2: you're such a bad mom. No, they know how to push your buttons. You're leaving uh, again? Yeah. My, they're like master manipulators already.
1: Yeah, but then, oh. but then I call them. I call her when I'm away, and I'm like, "Oh, so what are you? Nothing? Okay. Was there, <laughs> is there anything you want to talk? No. I'm like, okay, I just made time to call you. Would you say something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh, kids are the mess. <laughs> she's, she's so funny. I'm like, I'm like Maisie. Come on, like. I'm giving you the floor again, like, you you say you miss me, you cry when I leave, and I'm making time for you in, like, another time zone to call you, and, like, I'm skipping a talk, and you have nothing to say. What's the point? <laughs> it reminds me, there was, like, a,
0: there was some New York Times article from, from a little while back about, I think this was more focused on teenagers in general, but, what was it really interesting to me was that the conclusion they, they came to was that the teenagers in question kind of wanted their parents to be like a potted plant in the corner of the room. <laughs> like basically be there and they very much appreciate your presence, but they didn't necessarily want to talk about it.
1: Um, <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. Like, like, like all of a sudden, like, I'll be like, okay, well, we'll do this on a Friday night, or we'll play board games or whatever. And she'll be like, actually, I think I'm gonna have a sleepover. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) really, like, you could have you couldn't have told me this, like, on a Wednesday. So like, now it's like Friday, like an hour before any like, everybody's got plans. And it's like, I could have like had a free night to go out and maybe actually do something in my hometown. And (laughs) yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. (laughs)
0: it's gotta be like the most time consuming resource consuming effort on your part and then also like not necessarily in the format that you would have chosen
1: yeah (laughs) yeah it makes dating especially fun you know I mean like all of a sudden like she's gonna be sleeping over somewhere and I could go out and meet somebody for drinks or something and I feel like oh are you free in an hour I just got this like notice so it's (laughs) so awkward (laughs) For what it's worth, at least from my perspective as an
0: individual, like growing up, we we did that big international move for my mom's job. And then even before and after that, like both my mom and dad had jobs where they traveled like somewhat frequently. I mean, I gotta say my mom was definitely like way better about bringing back stuff when we were living in Thailand, and she went back to the US, like, she was on a mission to sort of like bring back the things that we might've requested or things that she thought we would like or books or whatever else. And my dad was much more like, okay, clearly this is like a stuffed dog that you bought in the airport on the way home because <laughs> you, you forgot to plan anything further out. But like either way, like that was our lifestyle and we knew that they cared about us and that they like were thinking about this as, as we went away and we never resented it or anything. And I always thought like it was, it was definitely like really cool role modeling. And for me now I'm, I'm also much more like, okay, yeah, I enjoy travel and like, I want to make it a part of our lives. And like the logistics are kind of more challenging now, but for me, fortunately, at least it's not so much the feeling of guilt, but more just kind of like, I can never get fully what I want because what I really want, is just like, it's not possible to happen yeah. uh, or I would have to be astronomically wealthy in order to have that particular setup so it's you know
1: either way it's not happening. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely honest with Maisie about like the reason I travel. I, re- I I travel for work, but you know, I also travel for some me time. Like I love you. I love raising you. I love being your mom. There's no one else I'd rather be, but I do need time. And it's okay. So like and so if she ever I hope she doesn't ever end up in a situation like that I've ended up in or put myself in. I'm not sure. It depends on the day. I hope that I'm setting an example that, hey, it's okay to take the time that you need because I always compare it to like a, uh, the oxygen mask in the airplane. Like they always say, put on your oxygen mask before you help the person next to you. Like if I'm not at my best and if I'm not feeling recharged, I can't be a good mom. And I I tell her that.
2: Yeah, it's true. I mean, even sometimes I travel, I try to see if there's a good spa nearby wherever I'm going and just set up an appointment (laughs) to go. Yes. Um, Just to get a little bit of like, oh, okay, yes, I'm traveling
1: for work, but I'm also going to get a little spa day in there. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Yeah, it definitely is. So yeah, I guess we are about at time, so we should probably wrap up with some genius fail moments. hey, uh, Kay Lou, do you want to go first? Yes,
0: um, I will share my recent uh, small, but still qualifies as genius moment. I f- I feel, which is you know, I have a twenty month old toddler. Uh, he's he's like a really good eater in general, but still, I'm always like. Oh, vegetables, like how can we work more vegetables in and whatnot? And I, I learned this past week that it turns out that just like those like frozen bags of peas or like vegetable mix with carrots and corn and green beans or whatever, like he's like totally cool with that being mixed into like whatever else we're, we're having for dinner. And like I could just microwave the stuff and then just have a stash of uh, extra veggies to throw in there. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. It's like. Like achieves a good healthy goal and is also minimal work and not very expensive for me, so that's nice. my genius for the week.
2: Nice. So I think this is a I guess like genius fail moment because uh, we took the girl to the movies and we, it was a holiday here in the Netherlands, so we didn't realize that like uh, the train schedule was off and um we were going to have to like go through all this like extra hoopla to try to get back home on the tram but instead I suggested we walk home from where we were which is a nice like 30 minute walk or so and I feel that was a genius moment because then they were really sleepy and took a nap afterwards
1: and that was great so anything where they can take a nap is great <laughs>
0: <laughs> naps oh,
1: <laughs> the best uh, So I guess I have a fail. So if, if you listen to the show regularly, you uh know that I'm kind of a free range, hippie, free spirited parent. So uh my daughter is, again, 10. And she's pretty much free to roam the neighborhood within, you know, she knows her limits or whatever. And she came to me and was like, me and Adri found this really cool, like, hideout, like, and we're we're playing back there and i was like yeah okay cool because i was like busy like working <laughs> and i i was like uh, okay go have fun like whatever and she came back with poison ivy all over her <laughs> <laughs> and it like started as a small patch and it spread like upper leg to her stomach to her, and i'm like Oh, maybe I should have paid more attention to where you were playing or checked this place out before I just told you to go for it. So, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good. Now she knows what it She's looks learning, like. She's learning. Yeah. yeah. Leaves of three, let them be.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: She's not going to forget that particular
0: <laughs> lesson now, certainly. Yeah.
1: Well, the neighbor ended up in the same state. So like we both kind of failed because she didn't look either. She was like, yeah, it's cool. Go, whatever. <laughs> so boys and Ivy for everyone. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And where can people find you around the internets if they want to see more of what you do and who you are? I'm pretty active on Twitter. So you can find me there
2: at brown girl dev. Or also you can just connect with me on LinkedIn. Cool. All
0: right. Well, to our audience, thank you all so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at Parent Driven Dev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes.